0: Thank you, Tom and Ruth. Uh, I think that's a really powerful prayer. Some of those words particularly help us to love our neighbour, even when it's costly uh, to us. I think that's a a massive challenge for us. And I think that's really important. So thank you for for those words. Apologies if I slightly misquoted you, but that's uh, that's the sort of the phrase that stuck in my mind from that prayer. I just want to say good morning to you again. If you're one of your first times with us, it's great to have you. Uh, It's great for you to be amongst us. Uh, There's a a link that's been posted in the chat uh, where you can go x1church.com forward slash ABC and you can just let us know who you are. We'd love to stay in contact with you and particularly support you at this time if you're in need of anything. Uh, Again, if you're a member of the church and you think actually I could really do with some support. That's again the link that you can go to if you just think I don't know who to speak to and that will contact the church office. And we'll uh, yeah, be able to support you and encourage you and hopefully meet whatever need you have. Uh, but I'm going to pray just very quickly uh, as we begin, because I want the, the spirit of God to speak to us. We want the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Uh, and so this morning I'm going to invite him to come and speak to us. Yeah, Father, we thank you that you love us. You uh, want to know us and you want us to know you. And so I pray this morning the Holy Spirit would come and speak to us, that lives would be changed, that we would be uh, undone in many ways by a a revelation of who you are, and that you would then put us back together in a way that reflects you, that we would be transformed to the image of your Son, we would be conformed to his likeness, and we would uh, be able to follow you more closely and love you uh, more intensely, Lord. So I pray, bless us, be with us, Holy Spirit, speak to us uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder uh, how generous you are, how how you would rate yourself. Uh, I considered doing a, a mentee, uh, one of those things that Andy did. Uh, but I uh, I thought, uh, sorry, let me just grab the, grab the clicker. I thought uh, everyone might have put 10 out of 10 and then that would be the end of my sermon. Um, but I know I've heard people say, uh, you know, about other people, you know, he's so tight, he, he holds, a he squeezes a pound so tight, he makes the Queen cry, those sorts of things. I wonder how, how generous are you? How would you rate yourself? Uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at generosity and what it means to be uh, generous and what, how we sort of uh, live that out as, as followers of Jesus Christ. But we're in a series of, in Exodus and it's called God Calls. And so I'm going to read uh, to you our passage this morning. It will come up on the screen as well. It's from Exodus uh, chapter 25, verses 1 to 9 a slightly different amount of scripture. Last week, Yost uh, obviously dealt with several chapters and that will be the normal pattern going forward. But today we're just looking at nine verses. Uh, Chapter 25, verses one to nine. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel that they may take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him. You shall receive the contribution for me. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so you shall make it. As I said, we're in a series uh, in Exodus, and we've entitled this God Calls. And this morning, I want us to look at the idea that God calls us to be generous. And uh, as a church, we have a set of values. We value uh, eight different things. And maybe you can test yourself and try and remember what those are. But the value that I want to focus on this morning is the value of generosity. And we say this, we say that as a church, we want to build a culture of generosity God is generous and everything we have is from him. Inspired and led by the Holy Spirit, we give generously and joyfully of our time, lives and money. This is a sacrificial act of worship to Jesus, a statement that we are all in on his mission. And it comes before our own plans, comfort or financial security. And that's why I felt Tom's words in that prayer were particularly poignant. Do we love our neighbour? Are we willing to engage in, in issues of injustice when it costs us personally? Does it come before our own plans, comfort, or financial security? So I wanna ask the question again, how generous are you? Not how much necessarily financially do you give, but how generous are you in the giving of yourself, the giving of yourself to others and to God? As followers of Jesus, we should be and we can be generous because all we have is from God. We are following the Holy Spirit and we have received generosity. Now, just as two asides before we get into this, I want to say as one of your uh, elders, as one of the leaders of the church, that we're pretty good at this as a church. Actually, we're this is not, again, a message of, oh, we're, we're in desperate stra- dire straits and people are, this is something we really need to work on, but actually there's, there's always room to improve. We as a church support uh, various organizations and uh, individuals. And just this last week, we uh, uh, worked with the YMCA in Watford uh, to help them with some hampers and sort of, sort of some packs that they're putting together to support families and individuals who are perhaps struggling at this time. And so uh as a church we 're good at this, and, and individually you as church members are pretty good at this we 're good, but there's always room for improvement so that's one inside this is one aside this is not uh, we're in de- we're in desperate need and, and that 's why particularly i 'm not emphasizing financial giving, i 'm emphasizing the giving of ourselves and uh, so we're pretty good at this, and also generosity requires wisdom. I knew. Uh, I known some people in my life who were generous to a fault. And I use that phrase quite deliberately, people who were so generous and so willing to give, but actually ended up getting themselves in financial trouble because they didn't do that in a wise way. They just gave financially to things or to individuals or were willing to pay for, you know, I'll pay for everyone and, and actually got themselves into trouble like that. And there's people who do that with themselves as well, with their lives. We talk about giving life, time and money. Give so much of your time to other things that you neglect your family or so much of your life is invested in giving away that actually you don't look after yourself and you cause yourself health problems and long term it reduces your ability to, to bless others. And so generosity, we're good at it, it requires wisdom. Let's carry on. We can and should be generous because all we have has been given to us by God. Uh, how could God ask the Israelites to contribute to making the tabernacle and the various things that go alongside it, which we're going to look at over the next uh, few weeks as we sort of begin to close this Exodus series. We're going to look at the things that get made. And how can God ask them to contribute this? They were, they were slaves in Egypt. But he says bring a contribution of these things. And he lists quite a a variety of things. Some people are going to bring gold and silver. Other people are going to bring goat skins. You know, I don't know the the value of a goat right now, but, uh, you know, those things don't seem to be sort of analog. But actually, we can all bring something. That's the point there. And God has given those things to us. How are ex-slaves, though, being asked, who've been wandering around in the desert, they just fought a battle, how are they being asked to contribute? Well, actually, God gave them Things to contribute God gave to the Israelites and God gives to us God gave to the Israelites when they left Egypt uh, in Exodus 3 if you cast your mind back uh, we can remember this it says this uh, in Exodus 3 21 and 22 I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians and when you go you shall not go empty-handed but each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing and you shall put them on your sons and your daughters, and you shall, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. So, in addition to this, in addition to uh, leaving Egypt with uh, sort of asking their neighbors for stuff and being given clothes and gold and silver jewelry, they would have had some spoils of war. They fought a battle in, in Exodus 17, and so they would have perhaps um, raided the enemy camp and taken the things from there as well, potentially. So the Israelites, they knew that what they had had been provided to them by God. It was God who'd given them favour with the Egyptians to receive as they left. And it was God who'd enabled them to win that victory in Exodus 17, as we looked at a few weeks ago. God is not inviting them to give because he needs their contribution. He's not inviting them to give because he needs it. He's inviting them because when God invites us to be generous... It's an invitation to deeper trust and reliance on him. It's an invitation to make a declaration that their faith is not in the material possessions that God has provided for them, but in the God who has provided them. They aren't trusting in created objects, but the God who is the creator. They aren't trusting in created objects, but the God who is their creator. That's important to remember for the coming weeks. And the same is true for us. God gave to the Israelites. God gives to us. And when he does, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to exercise trust again in that one who provides. Acts 17, Paul is uh, speaking in Athens and he says this, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in temples built by human hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself, God himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. God gives to us all that we have. And so when God calls us to generosity, as he does, he calls his followers to generosity. We know it's an invitation to a deeper relationship. It's an invitation to say, I'm devoted to you. Keith Green, who some of you may or may not know, was a a Christian recording artist uh, sort of long time even before well just before I was born actually uh, my parents really enjoyed listening to his music and so I grew up listening to that and he penned a song called to obey is better than sacrifice and it's written from the perspective of God and it contains this line this is God speaking to Christians I don't need your money I want your life I don't need your money I want your life God doesn't need our money. He wants us. He wants our devotion. Now, money, as Jesus rightly uh, spoke about, probably more than anything, uh, it's it's an indicator of where your devotion is, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. But this morning, we're looking at the bigger picture of generosity. What can we give of ourselves to God? The call to generosity is a call to deeper relationship and devotion. And so we can be generous, because everything we have is from God and we should be generous because we're following the spirit. In Exodus 25, that uh, verse that we read this morning, those verses that we read this morning, it says this in uh, verse two, speak to the people of Israel that they may take for me a contribution from every man or from everyone whose heart moves them. You shall receive the contribution for me as your heart is moved contribute. Generosity is an exercise of freedom. It's an expression of devotion. The Israelites have been brought out of slavery. They were slaves. Now they're free. And the contributions then that are asked in this part of Exodus are very different to the requirements in the law. We sort of covered the law in one week. Yost did a fantastic job last week and Andy the week before on the Ten Commandments. And within the the law, within those sort of Statutes, rules laid out by God, there is uh, conditions or particular things that are set out. so if you 're coming to give an offering for this, this is what you need to bring, and if you 're going to you know want to sort of receive forgiveness, this is the sacrifice that you need to bring and there's very specific things, whereas this is not saying if you want this, this is what you need to do. This is saying, as your heart moves you. And it doesn't mean just your, you know, your blood pumping heart. As you're, as you're moved, your whole being is moved to devotion in me, to love in me, bring these things. Bring whatever you have, whatever your heart is moved to bring. And I was thinking a bit like that about it. And it's a bit like the idea there's no compulsion here. It's a bit like this. It's a bit like the difference between community service or community payback, as it's now called. So you've done something wrong, and a judge orders you, you must pay back your community, you must repaint something. So that's the image on the, the left, I think, I, I'm trying to work it out, but that is the left, um, versus the image on the right, which is a group of teenagers who are stirred by the love of God to say, I want to bless this community and repaint these things. So actually, on one level, they're both Both people are painting a fence of some description or a wall of some description, but the difference is the heart attitude. One is compelled to do it by a judge. It's a payment that's being exacted. And the other is an offering of love. We're very deliberate in this church, or we try to be quite deliberate about emphasising devotion and delight over duty when it comes to giving, and particularly giving financially, because there are many uh, churches... in a sort of recent history and even nowadays who uh, put a wrong emphasis there and actually, I think, put an unhelpful burden on people. And so we want to emphasize devotion and delight in every aspect of giving, whether that's financial, uh, your time or uh, your life. Uh, And we get that, you know, from the New Testament. Paul says this in uh, 2 Corinthians that each one must give as they have decided in their heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. It's, he doesn't need our money. He wants our life. He wants us to be delighted to be in on what he's doing. So we can and should be generous because everything we have is from God and we're following the spirit as it brings illumination about how we can do that, how we can express that devotion. And the spirit also brings illumination about how God has been generous to us. The position of the Israelites was that God had rescued them, provided for them food, water and possessions. And then God extended grace to them again and saying, I'm choosing you to be my people. I've chosen you. You're my chosen people. You've not done anything. You're not a particularly impressive nation. But I'm still choosing you to be my people. In response to this, God was able to work in their hearts. They were were moved to devotion to God, to love God practically. And this is why in some ways as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we, we never graduate from the gospel. We never graduate. We never move on in some aspects. We don't sit in immaturity. We don't go over the same thing again and again, learning that one basic lesson. Oh, okay, I'm forgiven. Okay, thank you. But actually... As we reflect on that, as we grow in maturity, as we grow in our uh, relationship with God, that it becomes deeper and it becomes wider and it, we get a richer understanding of what that salvation is like. That's why the Christian who has just given their life to Jesus, someone who's just said, I want, I want to follow Jesus, can sing Amazing Grace and it be a joy to them. And someone who's been following Jesus for 50 years can say, amazing grace, and it's a joy to them. As we reflect on the great salvation God has worked in our lives, we should recognize and remind ourselves that he has provided for us all that we need. As we do this, as we recognize he's provided all we need for salvation, isn't I'm not bringing anything to the table. He's saved me completely. It's not of my own doing. God works in us. He works in our hearts. He stirs affection and love for him. As we look at what Jesus has done for us, we, as we begin to reflect on his generosity, we see that example and we begin to reflect him. We become conformed to the image of Christ. We go, I wanna be more like Jesus. You know, Jesus wasn't stingy when he was saving us. He gave himself fully and dramatically. And I don't know if you're a much of a reader I'd recommend this book to you. I've recommended it previously. It's quite a tome, um, but it is fantastic. There are two chapters that I'm rereading at the moment. One is uh, this, the book is called The Crucifixion, Understanding the Death of Jesus Christ. And it's by a lady called Fleming Rutledge. And uh, there are two chapters. One in particular uh, is very poignant for now, which is the question of justice. And then the other chapter is the godlessness of the cross, which, uh, don't let the title fool you. God was there, um, but just the the gravity of this. And I, I'm aware we've got children uh, listening, potentially small ears around, so I don't want to uh, sort of over. Um, I don't want to make too much of this, but we have sanitised the crucifixion. I wonder what you think of when you see this image. I mean, that's quite a nice looking image, really, isn't it? I mean, I, if that came up on your Instagram feed. I don't know what your first thought would be. I wonder if it would be, wow, that's an, what an amazing sky, what an, a, a beautiful sunrise or sunset, whatever it may be. But we have we've sanitized the cross. The cross was an instrument of torture. The point of the cross was to emphasize that the person up there wasn't a person, they were less than human. And it was to put them on display for everyone to see. And that should resonate with us, with some of the images. I don't know if you've seen some of the images that have been uh, shown recently or that are available recently. George Floyd was treated as less than a human. And that's just one name in a long list of names. And actually, that's a drop in the ocean when you look at The the racial injustice in America, and then you look at the fact that since the coronavirus, people of uh, sort of Asian uh, descent, people who are sort of you know from China or Japan, those kind of places, uh, it's racial incidents, hate crimes, those sorts of things against those people have risen by thirty percent in the UK. This is not right. People are treated as less when people are treated as less than human it should draw our attention to the cross. And I want to say, if you are someone who has been treated like that and shame has been put on you because of how someone else has treated you, we, shame happens in a number of ways. You can experience shame because you feel regret about something you've done, but shame can be put on you by someone else, where someone has done something to you or said something to you and shame has been put on you. Actually, Jesus took that shame on the cross. The point of the cross was that part of it is that he is, was made an outcast so that you can be welcomed into the family of God. You can be welcomed as a son or daughter. So that shame has been taken and put on Jesus. And again, that book, uh, The Crucifixion by Fleming Rutledge, it explores this and it says, this image here of a cross on a hill with a beautiful sunset behind it, would we react the same way if that was you know, a lynching noose? or an electric chair. We, we need to sort of desanitize the cross in many ways and recapture the idea of, of how horrific and how dramatic it was. I don't mean dramatic in a, in a frivolous way, but actually serious, this was a dramatic event. Because Jesus gave himself up for us, we can see the generosity of God. Jesus gave himself up for us. This is the the one who flung stars into space. He breathed air that he made. He's there in creation. The firstborn of everything. The creator God becomes human and experiences shame and being cast out and pushed away so that we can be welcomed in. And because Jesus gave himself up for us, Paul writes this in Ephesians 4 Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant, fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. As Jesus did we should do that's what it means to be a follower of Christ a Christian little Christ we're following Jesus and just as a side note the the reason that Jesus was able to give himself so fully up he was able to consistently do that throughout his life was because of the strength of his relationship with his father that that relationship strengthened and sustained him And actually on the cross, we see a moment where that relationship is broken. And that is the the ultimate horror of the cross. Aside from the the shame and the physical and the mental torture of it was this spiritual dynamic where Jesus experiences separation from God so that we can know connection with God. Jesus gave himself up for us. And as he did for us, we should do for one another. So God calls us to be generous as an act of worship to him. And by being generous, we declare that he is enough. He is enough. We make a statement that Jesus is the king of our life and that all we have is given to us by him. And that by having a generous attitude towards our time and our lives and our money, we put ourselves in a position to be used by God. I don't know, maybe you think, God, why don't you ever use me? I want to challenge you. How generous are you feeling? God, I want to be used by you, but I don't want it to be inconvenient. I want to love my neighbour, as Tom said. That's just so, we didn't coordinate on that at all. As Tom said, I want to love my neighbour, but not if it costs me. How generous are you feeling? We want to be in a position as a church family, as individuals that make up this church to be used by God. So we can be generous financially and we do a good job of that in some ways as a church. We're, we're pretty good. This has been uncertain times for many people where jobs and those kind of things, are sort of, I'm going on furloughed. What does that mean? Am I going to have a job? All of those kind of uncertain things that have taken place, but actually our giving as a church has remained very stable. And I just want to say well done and thank you for that. That's such an encouragement to the leadership of the church. Uh, It just enables us to actually still operate as a church and be able to support things like uh, the YMCA that I I think I mentioned earlier. But we have been able to support them in what they're doing. And we're looking at other uh, situations where we can bless organizations and work in that way, partner with people and individuals we've been able to support through this time who have struggled with uh, loss of job or loss of income because of uh, the current situation. And we've been able to support them. And bless them. And I know that they've they just felt so like, this feels really weird. I'm being looked after so well by the church. This, this doesn't make sense almost. But that's how the church should be. And again, we're able to, to say we're going to bless Zimbabwe. We're going to bless some churches and some people that we know there. Uh, you may remember a few years ago, we gave um, some money towards the establishing of a new church, a physical church building and uh, planting a new new congregation so we're able to to sort of foster those connections and support people there because as a church, we do give generously financially. I want to express a challenge. Can we be generous relationally as well? And as we sort of conclude, this is where I just want to focus in for a, a minute or two. Can we be generous giving our time to other people and allowing people into our lives? As lockdown begins to ease potentially, who can you invite into your garden or who can you go and do a walk with? Maybe not this coming week because the weather's going to be poor, um, but get in before Wednesday, I think, is the, the advice. But who can you allow into your life? Who can you invite into your home, whether it's digitally or uh, physically into the garden? Can we be generous in the way that we listen to other people? Can we be generous relationally? And these things work themselves out. Andy mentioned sort of the idea of a, a vertical and a horizontal way of the law working itself. Well, These things work themselves out in a similar way that are we generous with our time with God or are we a bit stingy with it? Are you sort of like, God, I've got 15 minutes, bang. Okay. And maybe you fought hard for that 15 minutes and that is you being generous, but maybe actually, you know, you could, you could do a bit more, but you, you, You don't listen well. You just want to get in, say your prayer request, read your bit of the Bible and go. Do we listen well to God? Is he allowed more than Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights? In the song, uh, To Obey is Better Than Sacrifice, uh, he was quite a a firm character, R. Keith. And uh, he says, if you can't come to me every day, don't bother coming at all. And I think that's a slightly harsh uh, assessment. But the idea that Actually, God wants more than just Sundays and Wednesday evenings or Tuesday evenings. If you're in uh, the East Watford Explore group. Are we generous with God? Relationally, are we generous with other people? Are we investing time into other people? Are we listening to their story and not just wanting someone to listen to us? Are we authentic in what we share? Are we generous with this is really what's going on? One aspect that doesn't work itself out vertically, it doesn't quite work with uh, between us and God, God to us, yes, but it's the need to forgive. God's done no wrong and so requires no forgiveness from us, but we do need to work this out horizontally. We do need to forgive others. Forgiveness requires sacrifice and it's painful. I've observed my daughters, when they say sorry to each other, something that I've just picked up and uh, in the last couple of weeks and I'm going to try and rectify it without sort of, blowing their minds too much, bearing in mind they're four and six, is that when they say they're sorry to each other, the other says, it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay that you said something wrong to me. It's not okay that you physically pushed me or shoved me, which doesn't often happen, but it's not okay. And so forgiveness isn't saying it's okay. It's saying it's not okay, but I won't hold it against you. It doesn't mean that, okay, we, we... We just carry on as we were. Sometimes changes need to be made. Forgiveness requires sacrifice and it's always painful. We see that in the cross. For us to receive forgiveness, Jesus experienced the pain of God's judgment and was sacrificed. We need to extend forgiveness to others and that requires sacrifice and can be painful for us. Maybe it's a painful conversation, it's not okay but I won't hold it against you. And these are the things that need to change. So I wonder, just as we close, ask this question again, how generous are you? How generous are you financially and how generous are you relationally? And then I've got four questions just to sort of maybe dial that in a little bit. Do you recognize that all you have is from God? Do you recognize that? The very breath as you breathe in and out to listen to this is from God. Do you reflect on how generous God is to you, both in sustaining your life and in providing Jesus as a sacrifice for your sin, as as a route to forgiveness and relationship with him? Do you recognise how generous God is to you? Are you keeping in step with the spirit? Are you soft-hearted enough, tender-hearted enough to hear when God says, I want you to do this for that person. I want you to spend time with them. Is there someone you need to forgive? Is the Holy Spirit prompting you saying, actually, there's someone that you need to forgive. That person, you're holding that thing against them. Now's the time to let it go. Now, maybe you need to seek some advice or counsel on how to to go about that. Uh, Sometimes these things are are, 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 big issues. They don't just the best thing is not to just uh, call someone up and say, you did this to me and it really hurt me and I'm for- I want to forgive you. Actually, sometimes we need to find someone that we trust and loves us and we know, say, this has happened and it really is. is- do I need to speak to this person or can I just, do I deal with this just me and God? And so is there someone you need to forgive? Are you keeping in step with the spirit? Do you reflect on how generous God is to you? And do you recognize that all you have is from God? I'm going to pray for us all. And then what's going to happen is if you want to be prayed for, or you want to talk through one of these questions specifically, you can stay in this main room and then we'll sort of work that out. But everyone else is going to be offered to go into a breakout room, which will be more of a social time. So you can have a coffee and chat to someone. You can talk through these questions if you would find that helpful. uh, If you're in the sort of right sort of group. But if you want to be prayed for specifically, then stay in this room and we'll, we'll uh, work out the best way for that to happen. Uh, but I'm going to pray for us all as we close. Father God, I thank you that you are generous to us, that you created the world for us to enjoy. You created us in your image, that you delight in human beings. You delighted in us. You looked at human beings and you said, it's very good, very good. And Lord, you want relationship with us. The God of creation is generous to want relationship with us. And so I pray, Lord, that you would reveal more of yourself to us, that we would come to know you more and we would come to reflect you. We would be conformed more and more to that image. And I pray, Lord, for those of us who need to recognise that all we have is from you. We think that we are self-made men or women, that we would recognise that's a myth. That's a lie that is just, it's not true. There's no self-made men or women. Everything we have is a gift from you. I pray that we would re- reflect on how generous you are to us. That when we look at the cross, we would see the generosity of God. When we look at uh, the, the life of Jesus we would see the generosity of God. When we look at the resurrection and the ascension and the sending of the spirit, we would see the generosity of God in our lives. When we look at your mercy and grace to us, we would see the generosity of God. And Lord, I pray that we would keep in close step with the Holy spirit, that we would be, have ears that are attentive, that are listening and that we would have hands and feet that are quick to react. That when we hear the spirit prompt, we wouldn't delay, but we would go. Go and do. And Lord, I pray if there are people that we need to forgive, that we would forgive as you are forgiven, that we wouldn't be like that wicked servant who was forgiven a large debt, but actually pressured someone else to repay a smaller debt. We would recognize that our sins against you are great and the sins of others against us or towards us are not so great. And we have been forgiven much. And so we can forgive much. I pray all of these things for your glory and our good in the name of your precious son, Jesus.